Well, it is Father's Day, of course, and so I just want to spend some time today primarily speaking to fathers, to dads, and, and uh, just spend some time speaking from my heart uh, with the Word and just some practical aspects uh, concerning fathers. And, you know, Shelly was, as she was um, just saying Happy Father's Day earlier, just emphasizing the importance of fathers. Fathers are so important. The family is important. Every aspect of the family is important. The nuclear family, the traditional family, and that's been tried to be torn down for a long time from all angles. And the reason is because it's the bedrock of society. It's solid. It's stable. You know, I, I never really liked chemistry a lot. I mean, I took chemistry, but I didn't like it. I had to take it, uh, you know, for my engineering degree. I had to take one class, and once I got that, I was, I was done with that. Uh, but I knew enough to, that you know there's different, the different elements are made up different ways, and uh, you got the protons and neutrons and all that stuff, electrons. But elements are made such that they, they stabilize in a certain form, and there's ones that are more stable than others. And we know this from structures. You know, there's certain things, certain um, ways of putting things together that are stable and then not so stable. You know, if you take a bicycle, for example, once you get it moving, you got other physics in, involved, and it'll stay, it'll stay straight up, but you just... If it's, if it's not moving, you can knock it over pretty easy. But you get something like a three-wheeler, doesn't matter if it's moving or not, it's, it's more stable. And the family is a stable unit. And when we understand the different roles in the way God created it, it's not all. You know, men and women are not the same. That's, that's been assaulted, and it's so much assaulted now that they're just interchangeable and it's your upbringing. That's false. That, that goes completely against the Word of God. That's not true. The, the problem with that is if you think everything's interchangeable, you won't, come to, won't arrive at the solid family structure that actually allows the family to thrive. And even if you have the, the persons there, you have a mother and father, if they're not really in the, the, the role that God intended, and, and uh, operating the way God intended, then still, it's not stable, it's not secure, it doesn't work. But fathers, uh, fathers themselves, it, that role has been assaulted. Like it's optional. And our object today is not to go into the results of fatherlessness, because you can look that up. I encourage you, go look it up. All the results of... Uh, and the statistics concerning um, fatherlessness, people that grow up without a father and what that results in. Now, God is merciful, and God can help any individual. You know, we have people in the congregation that, that are single-parent homes. Uh, God is faithful to His Word and can help, but we, we need to look at the, what God says as well as the, the, um, the ideal but fathers in particular, it's been an assault to tear down that role and to minimize it in this day and age. But you look at the statistics of, of uh, households that don't have a father present, uh, 
you know, whether it's education or poverty level or crime, it, it all, you know, and our, like I said, our intention isn't to go through all that stuff in detail. You can look that stuff up, but it's, it's uh, startling. Fathers are, are important, and that's under assault, and manhood is under assault, and being a male, uh, a, a strong uh, male figure and, and a father is under assault. There's a reason for that. It's because you undermine the family. Women are important too. We're not focusing on that too, but today. We have roles in the family, but the male role and the father role has been assaulted, and that creates instability in the home. And my object is not to go into details with that today, but just in, in introducing and, and getting into this, we need to understand fathers are very important in society. Now, I want to spend some time speaking uh, to fathers this morning, but let's read a few scriptures as we get into this. Psalm 103, 13. It says, As a father has compassion in his, on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. It's showing the father, it's, it mentions the father specifically, as a father has compassion on his children, then it likens God to this same behavior. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, those who, who honor him. John 15, 9 says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus is referring to God the Father, and he said, He loves me, and I've loved you. He said, Abide in my love. In Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. It's like father, father, or daddy, father, That what that means. It's saying we have been adopted into the family of God as Christians. We are in the family of God, and God is our Father. And you see this over and over and over. I mean, you could spend, if we tried to print out all the scriptures that have referring to God the Father, you know, just go look it up in a concordance or, or a Bible program. There's so many, but here's one, just, to, you know, an intro to a, a letter, and this is repeated over and over. Philippians 1, verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God, as a, as a child of God, as a Christian, we are in the family of God and He is our Father. Ultimately, fathers on the earth are to point their children and the family to the reality of the fatherhood of God. That's one of the roles of a father, is to give the children a sense of identity. The father is very instrumental in that. 
are, you know, we've been spending a lot of time in our series on Sunday about, we call the series Accepted. We talked about one session, our, our identity in, in God. Our identity needs to be in God, our relationship with Him through Jesus. That needs to be the bedrock, the foundation of our identity is who we are to God through Jesus. And we've spent a quite a bit of time on that. The Father is instrumental in bringing that. Whatever the identity is, we'll back up and say this, the Father is instrumental in bringing that to the children as they grow up. What do we believe? How do we approach life? And ultimately, ideally, I shouldn't say ideally because without it, uh, there's going to be problems. Fathers are to point their children to this relationship with God through Jesus so that when the children are growing up, they'll always have their natural family. I mean, whether or not they walk uh, with them uh, the entire time or not, they'll have that upbringing. But ultimately, the goal is to transition them from just looking at that family on earth to the fatherhood of God. And so it's like a handoff. The father is in the place of directing the family and the children to God. Not say that mothers can't know God. Of course they can. That's not what our emphasis is. But the father has a role. Because ultimately... The children are going to look to Father God. It doesn't say Mama God. I know some people try to say that. You, you can't even... Every scripture in the Bible that has anything to do with that, it contradicts, okay? That's just, that's just philosophy and stuff people make up. It says Father. I know people don't like that. They try to get it out of our society. It says Father. God's our Father. He's not our Mama. He's our Daddy. And the father is there pointing the children to him. So that their identity ultimately isn't in some earthly endeavor, isn't some earthly club, isn't, you know, just the family name. It's, it's good to, to have a sense of family and name, but you, you got to watch it because you can get in pride in that. Well, we're this, we're that. Ultimately, we're Christians, and we're in the family of God. We're in the family of God, and He's our Father. That's, that's what we want to instill in our children, is that identity. Our children's identity should be based on who they are to God the Father through Jesus. Let's look at Galatians 2.20. Dads, we're going to speak some on this, but I'm also going to get into some practical things. This is your role. One of the, the primary aspects of your role is to give your children a sense of identity based on what Jesus has done. Galatians 2.20 said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live 
the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, it says I, it is no longer I who live. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's identity. We spent some time on this. It's, it's identifying with Jesus. It's identifying with Jesus in relation to the Father God. That's how we're relating. This is what we want to instill as, as dads. It's fine to be interested in different things. You know, maybe your family plays a lot of a certain sport or they play, they, they do musical instruments or whatever. Ultimately, though, the real identity underlying it needs to be we're Christians and we love God and we follow Him. Everything else is secondary. And children get the idea. It doesn't matter what you say. We'll get into this. It's what we do. <laughs> like it or not. Our kids... Do what we do, not what we tell them to do. Because when they get away from you, the things that have, have, they have seen over and over is what they're going to end up doing. And so, it doesn't matter if we say, well, we love God. He's, our, he's what we uh, all are about, and we, we are uh, in Him through Jesus. We have a relationship with God. If they constantly see something else being more important, doesn't matter what you say. You can talk about Jesus all day, God all day. Uh, if something else takes the place of getting together with church or the things of God, what have we told the children? That's more important, and that's actually who we identify with. That's, that's our identity. Now, we're not, I think fathers get, um, they beat themselves up enough just without anybody helping them. Guys, <laughs> You know, as a father, uh, you, get, you can easily, Satan will help you. Beat yourself up because you didn't do it right. It's my intent this morning, we are going to look at some practical things, but there is no condemnation, okay? We, but we need to look at what the truth says and some, some practicalities, but don't let Satan beat you up, guys. We're, we're to be encouraged in the Lord, but we want to focus, and that, that's the thing. Some things with um, our society is you can't speak the truth on anything because you might hurt somebody's feelings. Well, we need to understand what's true and not so we can make adjustments, so we can make changes. And so when we're talking about this, see the Satan, Satan, how he gets you to let go of the truth sometimes is try to beat you up and just get frustrated, throw up your hands and say, ah, I can't, can't do such and such. Well, then that distracts you from the truth. So we want, to, we want to hear what the Lord would say in the Word, but not, not get beat up about it, not beat ourselves up. Just make adjustments as we go on, as God would help us. Galatians 3, 26 through 28, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And we talked about this a few weeks ago in our series. This is our identity. Not, not this superficial stuff, not male, female, not Jew, Greek, you can you know, say whatever background. It is that you're all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 26 says, For you are all sons, you could say, and daughters of God through faith, 
in Christ Jesus. That's our identity. That's how we relate to our Father, our Heavenly Father. So one of the things, what we want to put, uh, instruct our children is to love God, who they are, teach them who they are to God through Jesus, and then to love and to respect people. That's the essence of what we're doing. Teach them that we love God. Teach them our relationship with God and why we, should, why we have that relationship and who, what Jesus has done. And then to turn outward and let that flow and love people. Now that's general. We could, and we have. This is what we've been focusing on on Sundays. We're not going to spend a ton of time just focusing on those things this morning. But that's the essence of what we are to do um, as far as relationship with God is focus uh, and channel our children's attention to what God, the Bible says about the Lord and, and how to relate as a Christian. But now some just spending some time on some practical things. One aspect of being a father is to be there. Be present. Now, of course, we could go into the, just the absence of fathers in general. I'm talking to fathers. You're in the home. But you can be there but not be there. You can be present but not actually be available. And that's really what we're focusing on or what the, you know, this aspect is. Psalm 46, verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. Aren't you thankful that God is there? Think about it. If you had a doubt that, well, is he there or not? Should I pray? Should I not? I mean, that's where people... If, if you really look at it, that's where people, they won't maybe verbalize it like that, but they think, well, he might be there, but he's not really there. In other words, he might be out there, but as far as me talking to him, he may answer, he may not. I don't know, right? People, it's, a, it's, a, it's an understanding of God. Do they, do they believe that he's actually there? They may believe he doesn't exist, that's one thing, but then they may believe he might be there, but he won't be there for me. When I need help, he's not there. It says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, it starts out saying, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Then it says, therefore, we're not going to fear even if everything is going wrong. Do you see the strength, and this is related to God, of knowing that he's there, that he's a help, that's a stability, that it doesn't matter if these things are going on, I know him, he's there. Well, as a father... Our children need to know that you're there. That will cause stability and strength. 
Even in the midst of all kinds of stuff going on, if they know they can come to you, if they know you're available, that creates stability. That creates confidence. Of course, if the Father's not there at all, then, then there's, uh, there's that aspect. But I'm talking to fathers. We need to be sure that we are available. Proverbs 14.26 says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and His children will have a place of refuge. In the fear, or that's not runaway fear, but the reverence of God, there is strong confidence. In other words, knowing Him, there's strong confidence. His children will have a place of refuge. Security. Strength. So we need to be present. Now, some practical things. That doesn't mean that you drop everything all the time to be available. So you need to be present, need to be available. Your children need to know that they can access you. But there's practicalities to that. You don't want to give them this other image or uh, impression that any time they can interrupt you for any reason. Because when they get out into the workplace, that's not going to happen. If they go into their own families, think everybody, that, that means everything is around them. And they're the center of the universe. That's not life. And, and again, sometimes in our society, we've given this impression, it's so child-centered that kids grow up, and you see a lot of it now, where they think everything's about them and can't function when they actually have to deal with other people's uh, desires or input or whatever. So we don't need to be dropping everything all the time. But we need to be available. Our children need to understand that if I need to talk to dad, I can call him, I can come up, I can, I can talk to him, I can bounce things off him. Because that creates security and stability in their lives. Then if something is going wrong, like what we read in Psalm 46, God is our refuge in general. We're saying, look, you, I'm here. You can talk to me. doesn't matter if there's other stuff going on. It's not the stuff. Stuff can challenge us. Yes, for sure. But we're going to have to deal with stuff our whole life. This is training children to deal with their problems the way they're going to have to with God. Go to God and deal with it, not run from it. And one of the ways we train them to that is to be available. Some of the ways we can be available is to eat, eat meals with them. Don't have to be legalistic about any of this stuff. Just being available and being there to eat a meal. Dinner. You know, a lot of times when children are in school, and of course we're in a completely different time right now, which is a whole other thing, where everybody is around each other all the time and, you know... Uh, that, that's a, a set of challenges in itself. But we're talking about generally having a meal and making that a priority. Well, I just have to do this. I've got to get this done. There's always going to be stuff to do. And having that availability, just to, just to be present, uh, that brings security and stability. Uh, one thing you could do is have family devotions together. Now, this does not have to be complicated. I think sometimes as men... We, we, we have the ideal in our head, and so it keeps us from doing something that's not that ideal. 
Well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do it right, then we don't do it. Because doing it right, or what we think of as right, is just overwhelming. And we're busy, and we have good intentions, and we, we need to take care of stuff, so then it's easy just to not get started. I encourage you, get started with all these things. Just do, you know, you can't make every meal. Make the meals you can, and make it a priority that you're there. Devotions. You could have a family devotion. You know, you could lead something. And that changes over time. When we were little, or when our children were little, you know, we'd, we'd have uh, certain things. We'd use devotionals where maybe we'd use uh, Brother Hagen's faith food or health food or something and read that. Didn't do it all the time. I'm going to give you the impression that we did all, but we would use some. We'd read that and read some scriptures with them. And, um, but as they get older, you, what is the goal? You want to instill the relationship that they have with God. So you could do something where you had just five, ten minutes or whatever works for your family, but just do something where you could put aside some time that we're going to do this together. We're going to focus on God. What are they seeing by you doing that? God is a priority, and they see Dad doing it. And that's important for, you, for them to see you involved, guys. You involved. And you making it a priority, and you're showing them the pattern that you want to instill in them long term. Uh, events and games and school, uh, you know, school events, games, recitals, stuff like that. Just being present. And I remember my dad. I, I he was there for pretty much any game, anything I ever had. I mean, he. he it, the way he had it, uh, his business, he could, he could be flexible. But, you know, I remember him being there filming our games, you know, soccer games. He would film them so that we could look at them if we wanted to see how a play went, you know, and, and to get better. And this was, you know, a lot in the 80s. So you had the, the video camera was this big. Some of you kids don't even know what I'm talking I mean, it's a VHS video camera. So the VHS tape itself is bigger than your phone by a long shot. It's probably this big and it's an inch or so thick. And then this camera, you know, has got the front of it like that and you put it in the side. And so he would be over there like this. It looked like a, you know, newscaster over there today by today's standards, but it was common then. But he'd be over there filming our games. He was doing that for our benefit, but he was there. Of course, he would cheer for us and stuff. Well, that meant something to me. I, I didn't, it wasn't ever, well, are you going to be there? He was there, and I appreciated that. So whatever it is, uh, I tell you, parents, it means something when you look out and you see your, your parents there, you see your dad rooting you on. That means something. And just an act of, okay, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this, uh, you know, if it, there's a... a Maybe it's a music recital or some other school event, open house, something like that. Just be there. Now, you don't have to be, I am the super dad. I don't miss any, anything, anytime. Don't get legalistic about it. There's times you got to miss stuff. That's all right. It's not the, uh, that you're checking off every little thing. It's that you're there. It's trust. It's, it's uh, a pattern putting in this, um, instilling in our children that you're there for them. That God will be there for you, and it's a handoff. What you're getting ready to do is you're trying to show them their Father God will be stable and secure. Of course, you're not going to be just like Father God. You're not going to be perfect. 
None of us are perfect. That's okay. It better be okay. Because we're all up a creek. None of us are perfect. And if you're not perfect, that's a perfect opportunity when you mess up to model forgiveness. And I messed up and to say I'm sorry. It's not about being perfect. I mean, you know, my kids are here. They know I'm not perfect, and they know I have to apologize to them. I do at times, you know. I'm just, and to go say you're sorry to your kids, that, you know, you can get in pride and say, well, whatever, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Then that's where the problem starts. It's humbling when you mess up and you got to go say, I was wrong. Shouldn't have said that. Will you please forgive me? Well, that's modeling godly behavior. Another thing just to be there is creating some one-on-one -on -one time with your children. Depending on how much, you know, many children you have, it becomes, it's, it's different. And, um, you know, I, I saw this when I was um, working in the, the corporate world, and um, this has become actually very popular and common, is that people will have one-on-ones, they call them, with their staff. And um, just an opportunity for you to sit down, you know, it could be 20, 30 minutes, with your manager or somebody else that you're working with, and uh, do you have anything you want to cover? I mean, the, the employee or the person that is um, usually the, the, the lower rank or the person that's referring to other, or uh, reporting to the other person usually would go first, but if, it, if it's equals or whatever, it doesn't matter. But just to give the person opportunity, okay, what's going on? Anything that needs to happen, you know, come up, any concerns, whatever. And then the other person, maybe the manager or whatever, will give some input if there's time. Sometimes you hit a gusher and it's, this half hour, we're going to have to add more, whatever. But people do that all the time in the business world. And you could see, I mean, if I were to go around and ask, I, a lot of people that work, uh, they have these now. Maybe it's every week. Sometimes every two weeks. Depends on the relationship. But, you know, it's different when you're working and just going through the motions. I mean, in the corporate world, there is stuff always happening where it's easy to push off the thing that you don't think is important, which is, oh, we just need to talk. Well, we can do that later. And it's really easy. I've been in it as an employee, as a, you know, an individual contributor and a manager. And uh, what we said is the, the most important thing, what I told my staff was this, this meeting, the one-on-one -on -one meeting, is the most important thing on my schedule. Now, I said that, and there's times where it's got to move because somebody that's over you or whatever, they, it blows up. But the, the, the priority is consistency. It's not whether one moves or not. What it does, even at the corporate level, talk about the family in a minute, is it creates security that you can talk to the person that is you know, over you, and if you have a concern, there may be all this stuff going on, but we have a time where I know I'll get, I'll get his ear and I'll be able to talk to him or her. It creates a, a sense of there's all this, there's pressure, there's deadlines, but there's a 
calm in the middle of that that I can say, hey, this is going on. You see the person running around and being pulled, but you know you have a time. If I have, a, if I have something, I can talk to you. And I saw that as a grown man in the middle of a corporation, there is still a sense of security by that. It, it, it's like I can voice, I, I don't have to, in other words, interrupt. I say, I, I already have this time. And that's true with the family. We're, yeah, we're with each other all the time. And even right now, you can be with each other 24-7. But that's different than this is our time, anything going on. What can I talk to you about? Anything, what's going on in your world? Just let them talk. And that's, it doesn't have to look like anything particular. It can look different for a three-year-old, just playing with them for a little bit. That's, that's good. You know, taking them out just for an ice cream or, you know, something really inexpensive. Uh, just when they're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, you know, we still do that with the older ones. But whatever, just to have some time that they can talk to you and they know that. And it, that, that's a practical thing that uh, dads you can do. See, they might be with mom a lot. But when you carve out some time out of your schedule and say, I don't care what's going on, we're getting together. And it may not look like all the time the same. It may not be the same time. It may get pushed off sometime. That's okay. It's the fact that in general, you're, you're making time for them. It makes them a priority. It makes them feel that you, that they have a place to direct to you. Well, we know with God, that's there may be all this time that these pressures, pressures, but we need to understand that at any time we can come to him, but we need to carve out that spot. That, that directs them to know there can be time one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. Another practical aspect. Let's look at Ephesians 6, verse 1. Is to watch our tone, guys, when we're relating with our children. We tend to be, and I'm guilty of it as anybody, we're not talking about, you know, all what we've done. We're, we're talking about some practical things and what the Word says. It's easy to be a little bit more gruffer as a guy. Ephesians 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Verse 4, you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now it says it specifically to fathers. Fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. Other translations bring out don't, don't discourage them. Don't, don't push them so hard that they, they end up discouraged. But it says it to dads. There's a reason why. It says it to dad. Men tend to be matter-of-fact get the job done, let's get her done, go to the next thing. And men, you know, and they're in a task, tend to be focused, and that's by design. I know that's not politically correct. Well, everybody's all, it's, it is individual. Maybe certain guys, you know, aren't as focused and stuff, and then vice versa with women, that's true. But in general, God puts something in men to be able to go and focus so that they could get the job done and come home. Women they can be interrupted a lot easier and still be productive. It's amazing, and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I just, Shelly will tell you, 
if she does not get an acknowledgement from me that I hurt her sometime, I try, I'm sorry, there's just certain times I don't, I, I'm in the zone focusing on stuff, but she knows she's got to get acknowledgement. Otherwise, she'll say, well, I told you, and I said, I did not hear you. <laughs> yeah, but I said it, and I had witnesses, but I still didn't hear you. Well, so you're, you're focused on something. Well, when you're a kid, you're dealing with your children, we got to watch being too gruff, too hard, too pushy. And that's, that's something that all guys have to work on. And I don't, I don't think a lot of guys, we realize what we're coming off at. We're, we're, we're coming off stronger than we realize. And that's the thing. We don't, our heart may be, I love you, you know, but we're, we're, we're too hard. It's just something to be self-aware and we can all come up is that how you say something to your children could come off a lot more strict and hard than, you, than we meet it. And, and then what the impression they have is so much different than what you meant. You were just saying, I'm just getting her done. I, I, you know, you were thinking, just go do that, that. And they're thinking, you're mad at me. Why, why are you mad at me? I, and it's a line to walk. Now, that does not mean we coddle and baby our kids and you're not firm. You just take all that out and you just got to act. No, it, there, there's a balance. There's a difference between being too hard and being firm. That's needed. But you know, somebody said, actually I was listening to a, a pastor um, some time ago, you know, he was in the Philippines, a guy that when I went over and did a, uh, um, uh, missions trip back in the Philippines 2006, you know, that's a pastor there, and he, he still pastors. I just looking at something, one of his sermons online. He was talking about, I, I don't know if it was Father's Day or what, but some, some sermon he was just talking about men, and he goes, you know, people say men aren't emotional, or, and, and that generally that's true, or not, not emotional, but less emotional than women. Well, that's a stereotype, and yeah, we know that, but in general, women are, are affected more by emotions than men, but he goes, what is anger? He goes, a lot of men, they show anger, you know, yelling or, or being demonstrative. He goes, well, that's emotion. And he was talking about his situation. He goes, when we were early married, you know, he goes, there, we, we would strategically put uh, pictures over our door because of, he goes, where I made holes in it. You know, it hit the door because he was mad. And he goes, they would put uh, pictures over it to try to cover that up. But no, we, we need to understand, guys, that uh, we may be pushed inside, but, but our kids, what we say to them affects them. And it affects how they develop. And so we just need to be conscious of it. One thing that, that can happen, and that's generating the, 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 the conflict, and sometimes we react, is, is the, the conflict of priorities. We, want, we need to get this done, but then we know we want to take care of kids, but then they're coming to us, and there's a conflict there, and it can cause us to react wrong. And we just need to be conscious of it. What's going on? What impression am I giving to my, my child at this point? I don't want, you, know, you, you don't want to give them the impression they're not Important, you don't want to give the impression I'm your servant either. I can do it. Anytime you interrupt me, it's fine because that's not training them for the real, real world, but they need to understand uh, there's lines there. But we just need to be conscious of how we say things and maybe just, just being conscious can change some things. 
Proverbs 15, 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. In the Amplified, it says, A soothing tongue, speaking words that build up and encourage, is a tree of life, but a, perverse, a perversive tongue, speaking words that overwhelm and depress, crushes the spirit. So we just need to be conscious. Ask God to help you. Ask Him to show you. We're all works in progress. All of us, guys, we're works in progress and how we're doing it. If we mess up, we can ask our kids for forgiveness. They can understand where we're coming from. The final thing I want to touch on is just uh, having a, developing a vision for fathering. Now, I hesitate to say it like that because people talk about vision for this and vision for that. All the vision is is where you want to go. That's it. What do you want to get done? You can have a vision for cleaning your room. It means it's clean and everything in it, it has a place. That's it. That's a vision. You can, you can get all talking about it. Well, I have a vision for this. And all you mean is I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do this. And this is how I want it to look. I have a vision for your house, whatever. Well, I wouldn't have even put it like that years ago. But all's, all's, um, in this case, what do we want at the end of the day, not even the end of, not the end of the day, where are we going decades from now, and what do we want our family to look like? What's the end goal? We're, you know, when, at the end of our life, or when our kids are grown, and they're having kids or whatever, what do we want it to look like? That's all a vision is. It's like, what's, what do I want it to look like? And then what do I have to do to do that? And just to think about it. What do I want my relationship with them to look like? How do I want them to view me? And when we look at life, we understand the further we go, it's short. We understand the further we go, hopefully, what is important, what's not. So at the end of the life, do, you know, do I want them to know that I was gone all the time and wasn't there for them and gave them impression and I didn't have a relationship with, I don't think anybody in the right mind would say, yeah, I don't want to have a relationship with my kids later, and I don't want um, them to know God. No, that'd be the opposite. Well, if I want them to have a relationship with God, number one, with me, with my family, I want to have some kind of um, a sense of family, what would I put in place now so that, that when all the dust settles, that's what it looks like? Now, none of us are going to do it perfect, but just having the goal in mind. Having what would I need to do? What things would I not want to do? Just thinking about it a little bit, then it, it, it instills some priorities in our life and in our planning for our family. Certain things I don't want to move because that would affect that end goal. Certain things, they can move because it's okay. And then some of these other things we've talked about, about how we spend our time, they could be parts of that. And every family looks different. Every family has a different call of God for that family. Uh, there's different vocations. There's different schedules. And so there's no one size fits all. There's no everybody's got to do it this way. Even if it worked for you, does it mean, unless it's just a God principle in the Bible, does not mean it's going to work the same for everyone. And we shouldn't talk like that and act like everything works the same. But God can show us for our family 
what we could put into place so that the end goal of our kids knowing them, for our kids having a strong family relationship, we can go toward that. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a, or hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. So it likens, number one, it says children are a heritage. And the fruit of the womb, children are a reward. And then it says like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children in one, uh, children of one's youth. In other words, they can have direction, guidance, they can go somewhere. Where is that? Where is it we would want them to go? What does it look like? Just thinking about that a little bit, then maybe we uh, avoid some things and we're able to invest where we want it. Psalm 128.3, as we close here, it says, uh, your, wife shall be, uh, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Talks about family here. Your wife is there like it's to a fruitful vine, and your children like the plants around the table. It's showing this is how the godly person, the one who fears the Lord, reverences the Lord, this is the blessing. Well, it's again, it's this is what it would look like. How would it look like? And just taking practical steps then, uh, we can move toward that. God is a faithful God, and He takes what we give Him, and He can multiply it. Thank God. Amen. He's a merciful God. In other words, you know, like somebody was just saying, we get what we don't deserve, not what we do deserve. Hallelujah. We've all made mistakes. Every father has made mistakes. But that, that's not a reason not to try, not to get back up, not to move on. Even in getting back up and moving on, we're modeling behavior one way or another for our kids. And God can take what we give Him, and He can multiply it. And the, the, the priority is that, that children have a relationship with Him. And if we'll point them to Him and go in that direction, then God can take it, and He can grow us, He can grow them, he can, he can help it to move. It's just some, some intention, some yielding to Him, and He can do so much. And He's faithful to do so. God is so good. But guys, I just for all the fathers, just know that you're a blessing. You are, you by being in your household, are so important. You're doing more than you know by just being there and showing up. And we need to understand that God can take it and He can multiply it, but don't let the, just this pinnacle idea of all the super father needs to do keep you from just doing, just running the, the plays, day after day, just running, you know, showing up. Yeah, well, we're just going to start with this. You leading and just telling your, your children, hey, we're going to go in this direction, it's speaking volumes. It's helping. And then God can lead you step by step.
in each of these areas. Amen.